Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. everyone scott hansen here from nfl red zone i hope you're checking out one hour of five yard rush one of the best podcasts on nfl football in the uk listen rush nation this is massively important there is only three review patches left just three that isn't many and they're of a limited batch so if you miss them you miss them rush nation we're back man what a week already yes it's wednesday we're a day late we apologize Murph and I were busy on Monday night, then yesterday came around, Murph needed to spend some time at home, fair dues, and it's Wednesday, so here we are, we're in your ears, get ready for it, big man, how you doing? All good mate, all good, sun is shining, England about to go to the semi-finals of the Cricket World Cup. Are they? Yeah, so about to beat New Zealand, so um, for all the lovely Americans who, you know, were atting me or private messaging me to remind me that we lost a game of football last night. Joke's on you, because we're going to be in the semi-finals of the Cricket World Cup, and you ain't, so suck it. Question. Were they in the Cricket World Cup? No. Oh, well then, you were never going to get there anyway, in your face. So, Rush Nation, don't forget, we would really, really, really appreciate those ratings. Like I said, there is only three patches left. Give us a little five-star, let us know what you think of the podcast. Good things, hopefully, because we think we're doing all right. (laughs) So, Monday Murph, you and I were at the NFL UK live event. It was really good. It was my first one. I massively enjoyed it. It's uh, they are big human beings, like, huge, aren't they? Yeah, massive. You see them up close. Because Neil Reynolds is big. Yeah, he's tall bloke. So when these guys walk down the stairs past you and they get onto the stage of Neil Reynolds, they just look like normal people. And then Murph and I were lucky enough to be VIP. We went backstage, had a meet and greet with the guys, had a photo. Man, I am tiny. <laughs> <laughs> you are really small. If you haven't seen it, check out on Twitter. I posted a picture a few days ago. I'll try and pin it or something. It's on Elgram as well. So and it's on the gram. That might be yourself. easier to find. But yeah, I am tiny. Murph held himself with pretty good esteem, standing with a off-defensive lineman. Didn't didn't shape up too badly. And then I tried to block out Jalen Ramsey and DJ Shark. Yeah, DJ's so quite tall though. He is he, quite tall. He was over your right left right shoulder. I couldn't but... stand too close to him because he's an LSU Tiger. Well, we won't go there. But yeah, he nearly blocked out Jalen Ramsey. So <laughs> Murph did all right. And then they invited a little 12-year-old up to the stage. And I had my photo taken with <laughs> the players. And yeah, it makes you realise that these guys on telly, when they hit each other at 30 mile an hour, it's, I don't really understand how anybody gets up. I mean, if those guys hit me, I would just vaporise dust. Yeah, go on. See ya. So today's show, we promised you a quarterback super flex. 
review of our league and a bit of strategy and how we did it. And Murph and I's strategy varied uh, hugely. <laughs> so we're going to run through our teams and not all the teams, but why we took people where and give you an idea of how each team looks depending on where you take your quarterbacks being super flex. It's probably quite important and I think I missed that boat slightly but we'll we'll get into it and talk about how my team is full of studs just a real hot mess at quarterback <laughs> we've got some news we're going to talk about some reviews quickly because there are those limited patches left and then if we've got time we'll do some mailbag how does that sound Murph? sounds awesome right first review is uh actually are these all the reviews on one page Murph? the they're all the reviews at the bottom okay and they're all the reviews that have come in since our launching of our competition for the two consistency guides and the black books, mm-hmm. fancy black books. So we are very close. I did say it would take two weeks, hopefully, pushing it. I said normally this on the pace we were going about seven or eight weeks, but a backed Rush Nation to get us there in two weeks. It's been week one. With three or four reviews to go. Oh, Rush Nation, get involved. So, Leave those reviews. And if you are the fourth, you're going to miss out on a patch, but you're in with a shout of winning both the books. Well, also, the thing is, most of these people that have written reviews, quite a few of them haven't been in touch to claim the patch. Oh, well, write a review and claim your patch quick, because yeah. there's more patches than reviews. Less patches than reviews, I should say. Sorry. So to those that took the time to write a review, thank you so, so much. It, it really does help. We've said it over and over again, and people sort of started to hear it. Okay. A lot of people actually said that we didn't realise it, it made that much of a difference. And it really does like in terms of exposure and helping us grow and, and getting the guests on. So um, it's why you'll get pods saying this quite a lot, regardless of whether they're big NFL productions or people like us. But they do massively help with rankings and positioning and how many people see your, your pod. So um, it helps us just cut through. We've had a few weeks where we've been rated above some NFL pods, which is just incredible. Um, and it's all because of those reviews. So just keep them coming in. Uh, it looks like if we get you know the three or four reviews this week, then we can probably draw the winners live next week. I say live on the podcast next week. Will it be live for you and I? Yeah. <laughs> so the first one is from Merely Chris, and it says, Five stars, Hawaii the lads, an excellent podcast from a couple of fellow Brits. They certainly know their stuff and presenting in an entertaining fashion. We like to think so, Chris. Thanks very much. The next one, the title is Wicked, Five Yards, Five Stars, one of the many great UK fantasy football-based podcasts. Great hosts, great guests, incredible how they can bring so much content so often, which, you know, that was good to hear as well because yeah. we do strive really hard to to keep bringing you the content in the off-season because, as we mentioned during last season, we're not stopping. There's no stops on this train all the way to next season. NFL Live 365. Nice. Hashtag that in with us as well. <laughs> I like it. Next one. Nice little podcast, presenters knowledgeable and engaging. I'm new to fantasy football, but this is great for tips and tricks. Recommended. So thanks very much, Simon. Simon, why does that ring a bell? I don't know if you know more than one Simon. Yeah, that's true. Uh, The next one's from Lewis, and he says, Great British fantasy podcast, five stars. Quality podcast with two presenters who know their fantasy football. Thanks very much. And then some. Plus, they get a great range of guests on who have opened my eyes to some different FF strategies. Hopefully, you guys can deliver me a championship this season. That's what this is all about. Just Murph and I get together, chew the fat, talk about fantasy football, and you know we're not saying you have to listen to us, but if you do, you might win a championship. And if you do, you might not. That's the long and short of it. It's fantasy football. Exactly. You can have the best strategy in the world, and the game just gets away from you. There's human elements to this that injuries and walkouts and, and things like that. So we can only give you the best information we have and the best tactics from the experience that we have, but... You know, it's not always going to be right, but if you follow the processes more often or not, you will win more often than not. It's the same as poker. Next one says, insightful fancy knowledge, another five stars. Thank you very much, Saucer. 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 Yeah. Fantasy, fantastic podcast. Only recently began listening. Thank you very much. And uh, wish they'd listened sooner. I would definitely have been able to draft better. Well, don't worry. There's still loads of time to draft other leagues. You don't have to be involved in one league. That's right. Great chemistry between the hosts and look forward to more episodes to come. Well, don't you worry. There's episodes a plenty. Next one, Stocks and Murph. Well, this is from Patriots Nation. It says, Patriots Nation are very grateful. Yeah. Mm, you're welcome, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> 
as if you need any more brilliance in your life. And it reads, Stocks and Murph are very informative, not only from their own opinions, but also from the amazing guests they get on to give you the best and broadest range of advice to try and help you bring home the ships. Thanks, Matt. Next one's How to Win Your Fantasy League. Five stars. Listen to these guys. Great podcasts, some great tips, top guests, and a lot of fun. Really love the pod. Keep it up. And that is from HCC1234, all the numbers. <laughs> yeah. I think this is someone trying to uh, give them an extra entry into in the black book, and that's okay by us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't condone cheating, but that's just another entry to win the lottery. That's all that is. Yeah, it's not cheating. It's, it's innov- innovation. <laughs> what a pod exclamation mark five stars great content put out every week only been playing fantasy football for one year and these guys have helped so much really fun easy to listen to love it get listening and join hashtag rush nation hashtag keep rushing jay chaldicott love those hashtags my man and then this next one says great podcast all the way from the usa i found your great podcast with great stats and facts i appreciate all the hard work and dedication that's from wilson one of our listener league entrants. So, hey Wilson, thanks for listening. And the last one, last one, yeah, last one. Great you, insight. You missed one. Oh, I missed great pod. Five yeah. stars. Brilliant podcast. Great guest. Keep it going, lads. From Ali. And then the last one's great insight. Hi guys, only discovered this podcast off season, uh, but it has provided great insight into different draft strategies as well as the many different league formats. Looking forward to bragging when I win the half point PPR listener league. Keep up the great work. And that's from Lakers on Apple Podcasts. Best of luck winning that one, pal. If you do beat us, it's because we gave you the advice to do so. <laughs> we also got our first review from Australia. So we're fully continental and global now. It's not on there. No, no, I know. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to drag up the uh, draft board for our. Do you want to read the first couple of bits of news, Murph, while I try and find the draft board? Yeah, we talked about uh, NFL UK Live, so really good. Had the opportunity to meet um, some great players. Um, you know, you might need to rehash it. You've probably seen it on Twitter. But Marriott Addison was uh, really cool. Probably my favourite, other than Cameron Brake there, um, which is strange because he was a Panthers guy, but we had a good chat and he, he seemed like a really, really cool. Talking of Cambrake, it was disappointing he didn't come back to the... Cause a little bit. <laughs> he looked massive. On, it was sad for you, obviously, being a Bucks fan. Fire the cannons! But... He looked massive on stage. He was one of the guys I thought, crikey, he looks pretty big. And then I to see the others who I didn't think were that big were big. I bet Cam yeah. Brake is massive. Oh, yeah. The, the person who looked the shortest was Jonathan Joseph. He looks like a guy that you would see out like on the street. Yeah. And be like, yeah, okay. Everyone else. And Jalen Ramsey, because I towered over him. But everyone else. Towered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking these wins as they come. That's fine. Um, other bit of news. There's only really one bit of news this week, um, which is Zeke met with Commissioner Roger Goodell this week. Uh, it doesn't look like there's going to be a suspension. So this is back to that incident in the nightclub or festival, wherever it was, uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, he's promised to use all the resources available by the league to ensure he does not get into another situation again, and he's issued a full apology. Nice. So this season, quickly before we dive into the Superflex strategy, there's going to be some records broken. Murph loves a stat, so I'm going to hit you with some of those records that will be broken. Passing touchdowns owned by Brett Favre, the number is 539. Both Breeze and Brady should exceed that. Breeze needs nine. Breeze needs nine. That is a tongue twister saying it yeah. that way around. Breeze only needs 19. Brady needs 22. And both should probably get that. Career pass attempts. Brett Favre, man. Favre's got to be annoyed this season's happening. <laughs> yeah. But also, I'll be honest, it's a bit of a, a crap stat. This is the one I was like... Does, is anyone going to celebrate this when, when Breeze beats it? Uh, yeah, the New Orleans Saints will. They'll stop oh, the game yeah. and it's, give him a certificate. It's like a book club. <laughs> so Breeze only needs 387 pass attempts to break the record. He averages 420 in a season. So if the Saints... That's completions. Completions. So he averages 420 completions, so he should easily oh, break Oh, he's going to smash that then. Yeah, unless he gets injured. Injury is the only thing that's going to stop that from happening. Fair. The next one, career field goal attempts owned by Morton Anderson of 709. Colts kicker Adam Vinatieri needs just 20 attempts to break this season. Vinatieri has only failed to have 20 attempts once in his career in 20 or 2009, and he was injured. So, barring injury again, Vinatieri should go through Morton Anderson's record there. Single-season passing TDs by a player aged 42 or older. How- Warren Moon has 11. <laughs> Brady's going to beat that. Yep. He should, again, barring injury. Uh, Brett Favre is the next one up, and that's career sacks taken. This is one he probably won't mind losing. Yeah. (laughs) 
Wow, and I didn't think Big Ben as well. He's only 25 sacks away from breaking this record. However, he has not taken more than 24 sacks in a season since 2014. That O-line's pretty good as well, so maybe that might not get broken. He had a season, uh, I think it was 2009, where he took 50 sacks. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that is going to hurt. Good night. (laughs) Oh, there you go. So if the Steelers or Patriots win the Super Bowl, they move to seven, and that will be all-time high. Yeah. So again, two chances to see someone move to seven. Let's be honest, one. And then the, uh, I suppose this is the underground Murph on the street stat, is the one to watch, single season extra points made. Matt Prater currently owns this with 75. Harrison Butker had 65 last year, but he missed four field goals. If the uh, Chiefs, extra points. Extra points, sorry. If the Chiefs don't attempt any two-point conversions, they're two last year, they need just five more touchdowns. Yeah, so as long as Butker goes perfect, the Chiefs score five or more touchdowns, and they don't attempt any two-point conversions, Harrison Butker could break the record. You like how I broke that down, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And I own Butker, so it'd be a double victory. Let's do some super flex, big man. So... We were going to talk to you just purely and simply about Superflex, but then we realised we've just done a Superflex draft with a podcast, Darlings. So let's talk about that draft because it's real life. We did it, and we did it very, very differently. Now, Superflex, what does it mean? If you've never heard of it, it's where you have a flex position, which means you can play any offensive position in it as opposed to a receiver running back tight end. And people tend to put a quarterback in their super flex. Now, this varies slightly from a two-quarterback league because in a two-quarterback league, you have to start two quarterbacks. And I think actually one of our listener leagues is a two-QB league, not super flex. The auction Mm, league? Yes, the auction league is. So that'll be interesting to see how much QBs go for in the auction league. I digress. So in a two-QB league, you have to start both quarterbacks. And in a super flex, people tend to play quarterbacks in their super flex. Because they're a massive positional advantage. But don't have to. That's the difference between 2QB and Superflex. Uh, Murph went quarterback strong early on. And then I went quarterback weak early on. (laughs) I suppose that's the only way to put it. I went for, whilst quarterbacks were coming off the board, I was still taking players which I felt were value at that position. And then, we'll get into the draft in a little bit. I was waiting for a specific quarterback to get to me and he fell too short. And then after that, I binned the position. So let's talk first round, Murph. What happened in the first round? Did any quarterbacks go in the first round? Of the draft? Yeah. I thought we were going to go through the strategy part. Um, Well, we can do. Yeah, so I guess we'll do it as we go through. Um, I think Mahomes went in the first round. He sure did. Our boy Rich took him at the 10. At the 110. Yeah, it was 10-team league. And Rich thought, in a super flex, Mahomes still there at the turn. Why not? And it seemed fairly good value, I think. In a super, in a standard super flex, quarterbacks tend to go at mid to late first round. Yeah, I guess the the only thing I would say is in in an eight um, in an eighteen league or a ten team league, um, I'd expect to see quarterbacks come off the board a bit faster. Um, typically, because there's more depth in other positions, so you want to get elite players in the position. And as we talked about with the turns, it's a great opportunity to um, spark action. Um, by taking someone off the board, it could potentially then cause a run on the position. And that's uh, what we'll talk about when we get into the third round. Yeah. So it pretty much looked exactly the same until Rich took Mahomes at 110. Standard running back wide receivers list. People went, your big four went early doors and then a couple of receivers and then Melvin Gordon. and, And then Mahomes went, which I thought might start a bit of a panic run because people will think, well, if I miss out here and then someone else like yourself did, takes two on the turn, nothing's coming back. But actually what happened was the exact opposite and no one took another quarterback into your good self at the end of the second. Yeah. Um, so Murph was drafting from the one spot. We should probably reiterate, reiterate I was that. Say. Um, so I drafted with the 101 and I took Saquon Barkley um, because I just feel for him as a... You know, perhaps a safer floor. Um, there was still the bit of the questions with Zeke and um, CMC is just depending on whether or not Cam. I, I lean towards Cam being more fit than he was last year, yep. which means I think he throws slightly more. I think it's just I don't think it's a massive regression. I don't think you can go wrong with any of those picks. But just explaining, I think I think Saquon is my one hundred and one the way I've started and projected it. So I took Saquon Barkley with the one hundred and one top four 
running backs went in the first four picks. Then you had a run of uh, Hopkins, Odell Beckham Jr., Devontae Adams, Melvin Gordon, Michael Thomas. Pat Mahomes went, and then straight off, Rich took Juju, which you mentioned is the Dynasty League, so he wanted to go with young wide receivers with uh, ultimate production. And then um, Nick Chubb went, Todd Gurley went in the 203, so it was back to you who had taken Adams with the 1-7. Yeah, so let, let's talk some strategy and, and why I did what I did, because I had two picks before you had your second. Yeah. Um, I decided that I wasn't going to go, because it was Dynasty, I wanted a couple of young, studly receivers. I say young, Julio's 30. I was going to say, <laughs> I was definitely going to say I was, like, what? I was hoping maybe either Juju or Michael Thomas made it back because quarterback run might happen. That didn't happen, but we've got Julio really high. Uh, Julio, sorry. Julio. <laughs> um, Julio Jones. <laughs> oh, Julio Jones, yeah, yeah. Julio Honeth. Um, yeah, we've got him really high in our ranks this year, so I, I figured I'm going to try and win this league now because... Who knows what happens in three years' time. If it's not up for sale and I haven't won it, I mean, if it's not running anymore and I haven't won it, what's the point in drafting complete youth? So I I decided I wasn't going to go running back at all and I wasn't going to go quarterback, so I took Devante Adams and Julio Jones. Murph drafting at the one spot pretty much had to take a a running back and he took Saquon, like you mentioned. And then who did you take next, Murph? So to explain my strategy here, so if I'm picking in the first round, um, the... I'm always going to take pretty much any league one of the top four running backs because they're such a premium. Um, It's just an easier, slightly more bankable position in terms of stability. They have such a positional advantage over everybody that comes next. And yes, there's risks. There's always risk. But I think with those four, they're about as as risk-proof as you're going to get. Um, And also the running back situation is, is not as deep as previous years. So I think you have to take your stud RB I can understand the logic of getting a quarterback in the first four picks uh, in an eight or ten team league, in a twelve league plus, it just or a twelve team league or plus, it doesn't make any sense because you're just going to lose out on every other position. Yeah. Whereas if you're playing that game and you take the quarterback early, basically what what Superflex is designed to do is restore parity in the game. Quarterback is the most important position. Superflex therefore means that you should be thinking about the quarterback position as an elite position. They're the highest point scorers in the game, but the reason they don't ever go high is because you might get one or two that are high scorers, but everyone else tends to fall into a group. So you have to think about trying to grab guys that are going to fall in certain tiers for you, and that's what's really key. Um, I always prefer to take two QBs in the first five rounds, preferably maybe even the first four rounds, because it creates a massive positional advantage over the rest of the field. So you talk about um, relative positional value, and you talk about advantages you're going to have when you, again, in the draft board, but then also when you're playing against everybody else. If your ability to take two top eight quarterbacks or top 12 quarterbacks, you are going to have a huge positional advantage because not many people are going to have two quarterbacks in the top 12. And more importantly you're going to have some guys who don't have any quarterbacks in the top 12 because be you're going me. to take two. So you're going to have a huge positional advantage and they're relying on um, stable floors or your guys to have an off week. But if your guys do the projections and they go the way they should go, you'll be strong. I also recommend taking three QBs in this format because you need to cover the bye week so you don't have to. Uh, you can always play a QB in that flex spot. Um you want to really weaken the position on the rest of the field. And with that third QB, I always try and chase someone with a high running upside. And that gives me a safe floor one so somebody else doesn't get that. And it really knackers people who are trying to play that position, having uh, rushing floors to, to try and stabilize the quarterback position. But also, potentially in the playoffs, they could be really good options to have. So I want three guys who are going to do it, but one having that sort of running upside, which you'll see when it plays out. But going back to the rest of the first round, 5-8, to eight, I think if you're in a standard or 0.5 PPR league, I'd be looking at taking a risk on an extra running back. So I'd be looking at um, Gordon, uh, Johnson, Mixon, Connor, um, Gurley. I mean, I'm one of these people who haven't quite bought into this uh, scaremongering of Gurley yet. So I think if someone took him at like 
the 108. I don't, I don't oh. actually, I don't actually hate that position. No, I mean, let's be honest. If you take 25 percent of Gurley's total stats off last year, he turns up at the running back six. Yeah. So if you're taking him at the end of the first round, you're not losing out. That's what I, that's what I mean. And he had he had games last year towards the end where he was weaning off, but he was still finishing. I mean, effectively, he only really played 12 games last year and finished head and shoulders above us the the RB one. So if you think that's already four games off, effectively. And he's finished as the as the RB one. Yeah. Even if he fin- even if he only plays ten games at maximum production, he's still, as you say, going to be a top five, top six running back. So I don't hate taking him at the one eight one, you know, wherever. So, um, but when it gets to full PPR, that's where I'd advocate getting. And you see it in this draft here. Um, so Stocks has done exactly what I would have done, um, which is in that first round go wide receiver. Um, you get someone who is just going to bank points for you. It's the safest pick. You really can't afford to muff that first pick too too much. Um, so Devontae Adams is a good pick because it gives you a nice safe floor um, with the upside of him being a potential wide receiver one this yeah. year. Yeah, and if he does what he did last year, he didn't have a game under 15 fantasy points in PPR. So yeah. that's locked and loaded all day long. Yeah, so then picks 9 to 12 is you have to kind of see how the board uh, dictates so, in this scenario, um, you're looking at kind of best player available, and I don't hate either pick with Michael Thomas and Patrick Mahomes. I think they're both solid, super flex plays. Um, I, I, Rich's position, I was always taking a QB. He was always taking a QB. Yeah, because um, he's got basically essentially four rounds until he comes back. And also, you can't yeah you can't afford to miss that run. He has the opportunity to take a top running uh, top QB and it's dynasty. So he's got Mahomes. So not only is he, even if he regresses slightly this year, which is probable, he's still going to have Mahomes the next 10 years. So he's, he's sorted at the position. That's one position he doesn't need to think about for the next 10 years. He can just take that to the bank. So it's a great position to be in. And that's where I wouldn't have hated taking Mahomes a bit earlier, but I understand the play to get the safe, flaws in so that's kind of how i'm thinking of it in those realms um but as you mentioned the the the, the run didn't happen so i'm sitting there it gets back to me it's just wide receivers and running backs off the board um in the in the second round and then this isn't a tight end premium league if it was if this was the scott fish bowl for example which is a tight end premium league I'd have considered with one of these two spots in this situation taking a tight end, especially Kelsey, because Kelsey was still on the board here. But because he's not, all of a sudden I've got the pick of the whole quarterback board minus Mahomes. So I have the opportunity now to stab home the position. So Andrew Luck was always going to be my pick at the 210. Um, And then it got to the 3-1, and it was either do I play with a quarterback I can have for the next 10, you know, five to 10 years, but who has already shown injuries and he might not last that long. Or do I go with one of the greatest of all time who I stat out to be a quite high production quarterback this year. Appreciate he's only going to have a few years, but still, if I'm in a win now mode, I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers. So I took Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck. And what I do here on the turn is I've now put, put massive pressure on the rest of the league. Because effectively, the top three rated quarterbacks, and people might have what um, you know Deshaun Watson in their top three. So, all right, three of the top four or quarterbacks, seventy-five percent of the top. of the top running of the top quarterbacks have come off the board. So I have now forced the rest of the league to stick or twist at the position, and now I don't have to worry. So what I'm doing here is people go, well, you've missed out on running back, wide receiver. One, I've already got Barkley, so I've already drafted a running back. But two, I now have... I'm going to get good players coming back because I forced the action. And that's what we're talking about on the turn, where I've I've forced people to now commit and go quarterback probably earlier than they would have liked. Do you... Sorry to cut in. Do you think that... Because after you pick those two, actually, only three quarterbacks then went off the board before it came back to you in two rounds so you almost didn't force the run do you, would you have hoped for more quarterbacks to have gone by the time it came back to you I, I would have expected at least six to nine to come off the board then okay so yeah. my only thing I would say is if you do try and I mean obviously people will 
like Murph said, he's forced people's hands unless people are like me have decided they're not going quarterback. Because then, essentially, there would have been three players taken that weren't quarterbacks. If no one else take a quarterback I'm talking about. Yeah. Then when it gets back to you, you would have missed out on an extra three players come off of the list from other positions. But as happened, Baker went, Watson went, Russell Wilson went. Um, and then it, it got back to me and then I thought, well, I've got to take a running back here. And Lev Bell was there and I thought, I don't own him anywhere, so I'm going to take him. Because I think he's he's got you know top ten, he'd be top ten running back I think, which I don't hate in the third round. So I took Bell, and then we should say that Rich went zero RB and didn't take a running back till the seventh round. Yeah, uh, but we'll we'll talk about that when we get there. And then on the way back, I took Marlon Mack. I, I wanted to take uh, Josh Jacobs. But my fat thumbs pushed the wrong button because I was a bit tired. And then Nick, who doesn't normally pick quickly, was online and made his pick instantly. So I couldn't even message Murph and say, Murph, I've made an error, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so cheers, Nick. So yeah, I took Bell and Mac. I don't hate Mac, um, but it's, it's, I would have liked Jacobs because I don't own him anywhere. And I've got Marlon Mac in one place. Yeah, I, I, for me, there were, some, there were some running backs that went later who I would have had over, over Mac. Yeah, but the, but I, I, yeah, I know you didn't. Be, I know, but I'm just saying that. <laughs> but you know, I live by the sword, die by the sword. Yeah. I've got I mean, that. it's not terrible. It could have been worse. You could have drafted the kicker. Um, that would have been a bad move. So what? What happened is Kelsey went at the three eight, um, which is a bargain. Yeah, it is. So you've got Baker at the three two, Watson at three three, Amari Cooper at the three four, Wilson at three five, Davin Cook three six, Left Bell three seven, Travis Kelsey three eight, James Connor three nine. That for me is a steal. Um, then. Rich went, Kenny Galladay, and Stefan Diggs. Kittle went at the 4-2, Cooks at the 4-3, you took Mac. Then it was Thielen, Hilton, Zacherts went at the 4-7, um, Devonta Freeman. Then OJ Howard went before me. That really um, made me smile. I was quite happy because um, I wouldn't have gone. I mean, I would have taken Kittle or Ertz if they came to me, but... I wouldn't have taken Howard. So any player that goes off the board that I wouldn't be prepared to take in that position and to go off the board, that's all right by me. I'm I'm not really that upset. So the board comes to me. Um, and so at this position, I just want to stay like stabilize what I've already got. So I went with, I normally would probably double down on the position here, but I wanted to spread it a little bit because I didn't have a wide receiver on the board. And I went Robert Woods because of his age. He's still young. Uh, he's in a high high scoring offense, highly productive offense with an offensive coach minded coach who is a genius. Um and I really think that he's going to when Cooks moves to one side, he's gonna be the de facto one there. So I love him this year because Cup's coming off the injury. So for me it was just a no brainer and then I did take Josh Jacobs at the five one. Um it was a tough pick between him and Henry and what ultimately swung it was age. In a dynasty league, Josh Jacobs is going to play at least four or five years, barring injury. I don't think Henry has that kind of time. So that was quite key for me. So I decided to um, pick Jacobs. And the, you know, I didn't really want... Uh, I like Kerryon Johnson a lot, but there's a bit more uncertainty there, and I didn't really want the Lions um, running back as much as I wanted the Oakland one, which I think is a team that's trending upwards, so... That's why I went Josh Jacobs. And then Henry went afterwards. Then some quarterbacks started to fall off. So Matt Ryan went. Calvin Ridley went. Um, on Johnson went. Then Carson Wentz. And then you ended up with the 5-7. Uh, 5-7. Yeah, I did. And then I took AJ Green at 5-7. I thought he was massive value at 5-7. I know he's old. And I've got two wide receivers who are both on bye week nine. Who are both old in a dynasty league. But I thought if I'm winning now. And I'm in dire straits by week nine. I'm already in full rebuild for next year. So I thought AJ Green, fifth round, he has top five potential. Like you only have to look at his, I know he's injury prone. And I am now, like I've said, win or bust. But you go back and you look at his stats. He's over a thousand yards, anywhere between eight to 12 touchdowns. It's top five. And if you think my wide receiver's play to their potential I've got Devonta Adams Julio Jones AJ Green and oh, I also have another stud who I picked up in three rounds time taking a gamble he doesn't get banned for very long so my wide receiver room 
if it all plays to how I want it to, which is a big if in fantasy football. But if it does, my team is absolute fire at all the good positions except quarterback. So with that being said, I might, you know, rather than run through the whole draft board, we've done the top. If you want us to send you a picture of the draft board, how it yeah. looks, we will do so. But we'll talk about a bit more about strategy. So I felt that AJ Green there, Matt Ryan, if Matt Ryan was there, I would have taken him. He didn't make it back to me. Carson Wentz, yes, he's young. Slight injury concerns for me. Obviously, Philly feels strong that he's going to be good because they got rid of Foles. They don't think they need their strong backup anymore. But then AJ Green was there, like I said, I took him. And then Jared Goff went five picks later. I don't think I'd have taken him there. And then I took podcast favourite, Old Noodle Legs. <laughs> I took Noodle Legs with a 6-4 because I just think that if he is fit or if he plays half his games and he's able for me to slide in as my third sort of flex running back then I've got Marlon Mack, Lev Bell and Leonard Fournette and Leonard Fournette can be you know he could be a top 10 running back and to get him that late I think my team is pretty stacked with studs yeah I I'm 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 still never wowed by Leonard Fournette. I no, just, no, I, I yeah. know, but it, in the sixth round, it's 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 more palatable. I just for me, I look at. I mean, to be fair, at that situation, there's not many like top tier running backs left. Um, no, so that's why I felt at that point I could take him and yeah. maybe reap the the seeds that I've sown if they produce nice sunflowers. That was a terrible yeah. analogy. I apologise, Russian Asian. <laughs> um, so, like, I, you know, I'll just run through mine. I didn't... Once I decided to dump quarterback, uh, we should talk about... I wanted Kyler Murray because I don't own him anywhere. And people had already taken quarterbacks. Everybody except Charlie. And I didn't think Charlie was going to take a quarterback. Yet, I thought he was doing exactly the same thing to me. And Kyler Murray kept falling and falling and falling. And then it got to Charlie and he took him four picks, three picks before me. So at that point, I was out. I was just thought, there's two quarterbacks that I think could do me okay. They are a massive gamble, but they both use their legs a lot. I'm going to go for the rushing upside here. And they both could produce decently offensive numbers this year, I think. I think the numbers they produce could be better than last year. So I took... I took uh, this is this is my hot mess. I took Trubisky at ten four, and then Josh Allen at eleven seven, and they are my starting quarterbacks. But I took Royce Freeman, Tyreek Hill, and Hunter Henry before that. So my team of starters is really strong, and I've backed it up with a couple of quarterbacks that could provide okay value enough to support the rest of my squad. That was my thinking there. Whereas what I decided to do was to ham home my advantage at quarterback. So, having already taken two, the the standard play would have been to sit and wait for the third. But I also know I could really hurt the people and punish them for having not taken quarterbacks off the board. So, there were a couple of teams that had taken their two QBs. But in this situation, there were quite a lot of teams that had only taken one QB and a couple that hadn't reached any. So... I was sitting here, or actually Charlie had taken uh, Kyler Murray at this point. So it comes back to me at the, so I take uh, Evan Ingram in the sixth round. Um, Again, I've talked about this quite a few times. I look at the tight end floor and I think he's a safe play for me uh, at tight end. So in an area, it just hammers home where I had a positional weakness. I've now picked up something really good. And then I've built a team to last. So I've picked up another young receiver in DJ Moore. I think he's the de facto one in Carolina. I think Cam being healthy. I've been able to take a really nice second year uh, wide receiver who is due a huge uplift this year. So I think it's quite a smart play. And the players I kind of passed on were Jarvis Landry, Nikhil, Harry, Tyler Boyd. These were the sorts of players I passed on. Um, for DJ Moore so it was kind of a no-brainer to take him there as well so now I've got two really young wide receivers in Woods and DJ Moore who aren't rookies who have had time in the league so they'll produce now but should continue to be on a nice upward trajectory and then I've got two running backs in Barkley and Jacobs who are going to be the the prime offensive candidates in their teams so they're not even just like 
the number one running back. They're the number one offensive weapon in their teams. So they're going to get heavy touches, heavy carries, heavy receptions in a PPR league. Again, kind of no-brainers. I've then got two of the three best quarterbacks in the game in Andrew Luck and Aaron Rodgers. And then I've got Evan Ingram, so I've got a nice, safe, tight end. So my team here is perfectly balanced. Um, and it, I trust my ability to pick value in the later rounds. So I get to the end of the eighth round, and what I really wanted to do was really hammer home an advantage at a position, and so why not hammer my home my advantage at the most important position? So I took Cam Newton off the board, because Cam Newton is a former league MVP who still last year was a QB1, and he missed the last couple of weeks. It's just... And he has, I go back to my strategy, he rushes the ball quite a lot. So I have that safe floor with him. And that's why he'll always produce. So I can hammer home my advantage at QB, but also I can hurt the rest of the league that haven't taken their two QBs yet. It's, it's worth noting in a, in a super flex league, this draft went very unusual. You will see in typically a super flex league, a lot more quarterbacks coming off early. So to see people like Winston and, and Newton coming off in the eighth round is just very uncommon. Yeah, I think what Murphy's also saying, without putting words in your Murph in your Murph mouth, um, I think once a run starts, it will go a lot harder and a lot faster than ours certainly Absolutely. did. Absolutely. Um, and 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 you know mock draft these things. If you're going to be in a superflex league, go on to Fantasy Pros or wherever you do your mock drafts and do a mock draft because. Uh, they massively help in situations like this because if you didn't know about Superflex and you dived into one without knowing you need two quarterbacks and they go a lot earlier, you can get yourself in a spot of bother. Yeah. And and the other point to mention is I knew after I took Newton at eight that pretty much my next five or six picks were going to be wide receiver running back. And I really like the range of players I can pick up there for championship winning now performers as well as also players who are going to be good longer term so to give you an idea so after I took my third quarterback off the board and caused some real pain at the position to the point of the run then came in the 10th round so in the 10th round uh, the run was Jimmy Garoppolo Dak Prescott you took Trubitsky Lamar Jackson Derek Carr Sam Darnold this to me is like music to my ears because I'm sitting here like laughing because I don't need to worry about that position so now all that panic has set in, and Matt Stafford went that round as well. I, I would just like to point out, I do have my hand up for people who can't see me on the podcast. I wasn't panicking, but I felt I needed my, I needed one of my two quarterbacks here. Well, yeah, cause, and if you didn't take him there, you would have really got stuck. So I took Julian Edelman in the ninth round. Which is a hot bargain. It's a hot bargain. He's not long for this, but I have two young wide receivers. So I can afford to take a veteran in the ninth round, and he's a league winner this year. So I'm I'm happy to take him. I took Tevin Coleman with the 10-10 just to give myself a third running back option. And he, I think he wins the job. And I like the value I got there. And then I took Robbie Anderson in with the 11-1. Again, I'm taking the number one wide receiver. A uh, little bit older, but he has time in the league and he built a connection with Sam Darnold. I think he's a steal there. And then I took Jarek McKinnon to back up Tevin Coleman. So I've bought two shares of that backfield. Um, Which isn't a bad move considering nobody knows who's starting there. Exactly. So I bought insurance uh, at that stage because I kind of knew who I was going to be taking in the next few rounds. Um, I knew my ADPs. I knew who players were going to be roughly taking. And I knew there were some players who I would have been really happy to draft here. I kind of knew and I was going to be taking certain players. And I knew I could sleep on them a little bit more. And that's a really key point is I would have liked to have taken some of the players I took between 13 and 17. Um, I would have taken much higher because they're my guys. But knowing the guys I played with, I knew that these guys would go under the radar. And mm -hmm. I afforded myself to just be patient and let the draft come to you. Don't chase it always. Sometimes you've got to get your guy. But if you have a list of... Uh, a load of guys you, you kind of rate in a similar calibre, let let the draft come to you and just keep picking it away. Yeah, absolutely. 
I would my strategy then change from having a absolute fire starting lineup to picking up as much youth at every position as I could possibly get my hands on except quarterback. So I then went um, Devin Singletary, JJ Arcega, Whiteside, Damian Harris, Justice Hill, Deshaun Hamilton, Terry McLaurin, uh, Daniel Jones, and Kelvin Harmon were my skill positions I picked up, banking on a few of them becoming top stars at their position in the next few years. I did take Tyler one foot, um, and that's purely because tight end got real thin real quick and I only had Hunter Henry and then I backed him up with Dawson Knox because I said he was my real deep sleeper and then I was on the clock so I had to take him it'd be I mean we we could run through who you took Murph I mean there's a few players there that I certainly like like Mike Kosicki Albert Wilson you probably would have taken him earlier but knowing other people had position of need you got him later than you'd like and then sort of kickers defences went and you got the Bills and Saints and they're both pretty good um, and you finished it off with Chase Edmonds in the 26th round. That's an absolute steal. Absolutely. Because if, if DJ goes down or if he starts to get work, I took him with the last pick. So it's worth noting there were some guys here. I did feel a little bit um, running back light as I was going through this. So I took Naheem Hines because he's young. Um, I took him in the 15th round. So it's worth noting I took Didi Westbrook, Kiki, uh, Kiki Kuti, um, Albert Wilson, Geronimo Allison. Mike Kaziki you mentioned so then I'm sitting here thinking I probably need just because I've got two running backs from the same team I really only have three three running backs that are playing um, so I needed to get some running back help so I took uh, Naheem Hines because I think he's a bit of a gadget player uh, he'll give me some options I took Raquel Armstead because I don't believe in Leonard Fournette at all and I think Raquel Armstead's going to get games I wouldn't do it in a season long but I don't think Leonard Fournette's going to be with the team next year I'm taking a gamble it was the 19th round I took uh, Adrian Peterson because I know he starts the season. I took him in the 20th round. Um, I took a dart throw tight end at Cahill Waring, who's a rookie tight end, just to stash in my taxi squad. Um, we talked about taxi squad being just for rookies, just someone to stash. And I took back-to-back um, defenses. I took uh, Kyrie Fairbairn in the 21st, one, because kickers were going off the board at a rate of knots, and two, because he was the most accurate kicker last season. And in this league accuracy is rewarded more than total points so um and then yeah a couple of dart throws i took gary jennings because i just love him everywhere um the one thing i was going to question about your roster is you took two kickers yep and i don't understand why well to be fair who did (laughs) i take so i took finissieri yeah and then i took uh Yep, yeah, I did. I took two kickers, and that was because of bye week. I probably should have left one on the waivers, but I felt like I could take two because my squad was absolute fire. Um, one thing I would like to point out, which is quite interesting, I've got AJ Green on my IR at the moment, not in my bench, in my starting lineup, and we're playing each other week one. I don't know if your team is your team fully lock loaded, ready to go. Probably not. I hope it is. <laughs> well, because what? Because it's a fifty-fifty score. Yeah. So what? What I would I was saying on that is on sleeper they give you a. a projected points percentage finish and Murph and I's we have basically exactly the same score yeah what I would say about that just a little bit is no but this is this is me talking about how we drafted so differently actually came up with relatively the same score and I know you're going to say that your quarterbacks will score more than they're projected and they probably will but and I think that my team is probably a lot better than it should be because I got really good value late on whereas not necessarily you might miss out on loads of good people and then not have two quarterbacks and be in trouble. I think I was just lucky with who I got where. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think what you need to do when you're going into a a draft is think about how you're going to um, get to your positions, how you're going to do what you can do, um, how you're going to construct your team. And you've got to be fluid and you've got to take the options to go, I wouldn't have designed this team. But if you hear about my strategy, if you hear about what I've said at the beginning, I pretty much stuck to it, um, it which meant because I was on the, the turn and I was the 101, I forced a lot of the draft to happen the way I wanted it to happen. Um, it didn't necessarily run entirely my way, so I would have expected a much bigger run at the 302 onwards of, of QBs, which meant I probably might have got someone like an Amari Cooper in the 410 spot, which I would have loved a lot more, don't get me wrong, but I'm not unhappy with Robert Woods. So, But I executed what I was thinking I would do quite well, and then 
taking people like Cam in the eighth round, I just was allowed to hammer home an advantage in positions. Yeah, I think that's where you... It was almost a two-stage plan, your quarterback thing. The the run didn't start after the first ones. Yeah. So then you took Cam and pretty much said, well, now you've got to take him. Yeah. So I, I forced the action again, and it did happen a bit later, but it did happen. And what it had just allowed me to do was just to have... If you look at my team, the team is pretty balanced. There isn't a, an area of the team that you would say is particularly weak except for maybe running back strength but i i'm never weary of that because there's always running backs that come through on the waiver wire that philip Lindsay last year wasn't drafted there's always damian williams wasn't drafted in leagues last year there will be players on the wire that you can grab and finish off your squad with but it means that my fab budget when i go to allocate targets on the waiver wire i have very few holes unless I get a load of injuries. Like, I've got a very deep wide receiver room with a lot of upside guys who will hit. Well, not all of them, but some of them will hit. I've got the biggest stability of the entire draft at QB. And my tight end situation is pretty solid too. So I don't have to worry about, and I don't care about DSTs and, you know, like DSTs are DSTs. Like, I've got two. I'll flip them week to week. I'm not overly bothered. They're top 10-ish DST, so I'm not bothered. So the whole point of the strategy is to try and have balance because if you have a position where you are weak going into free agency, going into um, weeks, you know, early parts of the season, they're the areas that you then have to force a trade on people because you need to re-strengthen. Whereas right now, I'm really happy with my balance because I just don't feel there's an area that I'm Okay, I don't have a wide receiver one on my roster. I can trade you one. You could. <laughs> but that's talking of trades as well, you don't want to be forced into making a trade you need. You want to be doing the trade because you want to improve that position, not because you need to. Because yeah. if someone comes along and it, you know all good trade recipients will look at your team and decide what they think you need because 99% of trades are rejected or rebuttaled and they'll come back with a counter. So you want to... You don't want that person to turn around and think, well, Murph desperately needs a wide receiver one here. I'm going to make him overpay because then you're not going to want to give him up the cost yourself. Yeah. So you need to be making trades that you will think you think will make your team better without needing to. I, I, and on that point, and that's what's really key, is if you don't have any severe weaknesses, you're not going to be forced into those positions. So now if you want to offer me a wide receiver one like a Julio, you're worried about age, you want to try and get some younger players. I'm in a somewhat of a position of strength because if I don't get Julio, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't necessarily need him to win now. And that is a nice position to be in because it gives you balance. I guess the whole thing with, with what you should learn on this is this draft isn't, as we said, a atypical of a super flex. You have to take your your quarterbacks, you have to value them as the most important position more often than not because if you get into a position where you know you've got Mitchell Trubisky and Josh Allen, both those guys are two year, one year in the NFL. We saw some great things with Josh Allen's legs, but they've improved that offensive line. If he's not scrambling for his life as much, and his rushing floor goes, and his arm doesn't improve, yeah, yeah, I know. I, I said it was a hot mess at the no, beginning yeah. of the show, Murphy. Don't hey, have no, to no, no. That it's not driving you home, but I'm, I'm just saying on on any of the teams I pick here is if you're if you've got Kyler Murray as your first quarterback he could be great he could be awful yeah, yeah. You, you there isn't you you're not gonna i'm wouldn't go into the season thinking smash this in a redraft league you don't care because in a redraft league you you lose that league it, it happens you redraft next year but taking this forward if you have to address positions every year because you haven't got strong core at that position it makes your dynasty rookie picks very predictable and then you can get you can start to get very smart because you can start to do you know let's, let's take a real life example the Houston Texans in the NFL draft had the most glaring need in the world we all knew that they were going to go offensive line and we all knew who they were going to take with their first pick so what did the Philadelphia Eagles do well we needed offensive line help so what happened traded above them took their player if you get into a position in your rookie dynasty drafts where it's so predictable that, oh, well, like Stocks' position, I'm looking at his team now, like he's, he's stacked everywhere. He's probably going to want a QB. If I can get ahead of him and take the QB he wants, with depends on how much I've got to give up to do it, 
that could really knacker you and really put you back another year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you don't want to get into a position where it's transparent what your what your needs are. Um, and that's why I think you've just got to be very careful about who you take. And it, it's a it's a big luxury drafting on the term. I know people who don't like it. I don't understand it because I think you can really drive home advantages. And I feel like I'm sort of repeating myself, but there is two schools of thought. We've presented both. You take the information as you, as you will with this, um, but always go into this knowing an idea of what your ideal roster will look like, and then just start to think about how you can construct that. Because if you can do that, and then you look at ADPs and you look at the people you're playing with, you can start to get an idea of where you can get the value. So I knew I was wide receiver light, but I knew the area of the draft where I could really hammer home some really good solid picks, and I knew where I could make up the value on my wide receiver to, on my wide receiver core. So all of a sudden, I went from having a deep need to yeah, it'd be nice to have a top twelve guy, but ultimately I've got a lot of guys who I feel can do a job, and I've got a lot of safe picks who I can put in and plug and play and. Oh well, this DD's got a great matchup this week, and Albert Wilson's got a great matchup the following week, so I can mix and match and really just almost stream the position in my starting lineup because I've got so many guys I can pick up and play from. So, and that was part of my strategy going in that that was how I was going to design my roster. Yeah, obviously it would have changed it had certain players become available or certain other players got drafted. But yeah, that, it, that's a really big point. It's just think about how you want to construct your roster because if you don't know and you don't know your league settings, you don't know who you're playing with then you need to at least know how you want your roster to look. And it might not always pan out, but if you've got that strategy, you're more likely to execute. Yeah. So we gave you both strategies. We did it very differently. Points-wise, currently is level. Like I said, I got lucky with who I got. Quarterbacks are important in in Superflex. Go do your mock drafts. Find out how important they are and lean on that importance. Because if you don't, you can get yourself like me into a bit of a hot mess. Murph and I have got a bounce because we've got a TV appearance. This has been fun, Murph. Don't forget to write reviews. We need three or four reviews to trigger the um, book spectacular. So definitely make sure you do that. And it'd be really good to to give those away next week and announce them on the pod. And we can get them out to you well before your season's uh, draft season starts. So um, please keep them coming. They're massively appreciated. Rush Nation, you answered the call last week. Eternally grateful. But Let's go again. Yeah. Murph, 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 Murph. Before we get out of here, there's a surprise. I wanted to do this at the beginning of the show, but we got so into it, I forgot it was under the desk. Now, I would like to point out this is not from me. This is from our loyal listener, Antonio. And I don't know what's in it, but he sent you a box. So here comes the box. He sent us a box? No, no. He sent you a box. Why has he sent... Okay. There you are. There's the box. <laughs> oh, it's amazing! So it says "Baby Buccaneer" <laughs> on it. So it clearly wasn't for me. No, well, it could be. We could convert Hunter. So it says "Go Buccaneers." Um, it's got your last name on it. It's a box. It was delivered here. <laughs> it was delivered here, Antonio. This is uh, far too generous, my friend. From Poland uh, as well, nonetheless. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, if you have been listening to us for quite a while, he was here when the Ice the Kicker boys came to the studio. Now um, he did. He did say to me, "I lied. I do know what it is because he asked me." Yeah. He said, uh, "I've got this for Murph, so when he's doing the night feeds or whatever, he can stare at something and, and remember American football." <laughs> I plan to watch as many games as possible during it. It's very well taped up. So well, it came from Poland. Yeah. Let's. There's a customs fee to pay. I right. didn't pay it. Oh, okay. Let's hope Antonio paid it. Because <laughs> otherwise we're in trouble. Oh, that's a, oh wow. It's it's an old school um, limited edition Buccaneers football. Um, and you can tell it's old school because it's got the NFC Central Division Champions, which stopped in like, I think it was like the year 2000, 2001. Lee from all 32s in the studio. Um, so I'm looking at him. And it's limited edition. That's an amazing gift. I absolutely love that. So there you go. That's for my boy, Antonio. Antonio, you're a legend. Thank you so much. Uh, the boy's going to love this. We won't put it in the crib, but when he's old enough, I'll uh, I'll get him to, to look at it. That's, uh... <laughs> can't look at it till he's old enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can look at it, but you can't play with it because uh, it's got laces. And... It's a limited edition. Yeah, that's true. I, t- I tell you, this, is, this has got to be about 20 years old. 
That's incredible. I love that. It's going on top of the mini helmet you got me for my birthday. For now. There you go. Buccaneers will have the show. And with that being said, Rush Nation, on that 20-year-old bombshell, until next week, keep rushing. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.